Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 10. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. There are times where while preaching, Satan will... Pastor Jim, you know what I'm talking about. If you've ever preached from this pulpit or any pulpit, you know what I'm talking about. Where Satan will be speaking in your mind while you're preaching the word. Oh, they ain't listening to you. They ain't, they ain't, they're not listening. They ain't, they're not here. You're wasting your time. Just shut up. Shut up. They don't even. And you could be preaching. You're preaching hard. Y'all wouldn't even know it. But I'm still going at it inside. I'm thinking, oh, are they listening? Oh, they, and then sometimes it just gets so bad, I'll go, are you listening? Now you know what I'm doing. (laughs) Now you know what I'm doing. I'm going to tell it all tonight. Y'all going to get it all. Get everything. Just get everything. Because, Because, you know, I'm just in this place of depending. I don't even know if I'm, like, explaining it right. I just... I'm, I'm, I'm just, you know, just trying to help you understand that it's not easy. And sometimes you just kind of go with it. That's what the text says in verse 7. In 6 and 7, the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon you, Saul, and you're going to prophesy. And, and in verse 7, and let it be when these signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands. That just means go with it. Saul, just go with it. Why? Because God is with you. That's why you're to go with it. I'm way ahead of myself. I'm not even on verse 7 right now. I'm way ahead of myself. So verse 1. <laughs> Y'all like how I do that? I'm good at this. I've been doing this for a minute. Samuel took a flask of oil. He poured it on his head and he kissed him. Did y'all get that? And the kiss wasn't just a greeting. It was a sign of support of Saul. It was very important that the king of Israel know how, know that he was supported by the prophet. And it was important for Saul to walk away and know that I'm anointed and I have the support of the man of God. Now keep in mind, this is a private anointing. This is not done in front of a big crowd. This was personal in between Saul and Samuel and God. The anointing you have is between you and the Lord. Did you hear me? The anointing you have is between you and the Lord. We've already established that you have it. Now I'm telling you it's between you and the Lord. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're spiritual. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're holy. You don't have to prove to anybody that you're anointed. God knows 
This anointing between Saul and Samuel was not only a secret, but it was also memorable. Keep in mind, biblical anointing, listen, look at me, biblical anointing and anointing today is very different. Today when somebody is sick and they come up for prayer and we'll take some anointing oil and we anoint them, you know, we take a little dab, you know, hey, y'all see me with my anointing oil, where my little bottle, I usually have it up here, it's a little plastic bottle, we take a little dab and we just, you know, and if you feel them really spiritual, you make a cross on your forehead, you know you really, you know, you really feel. So you make a cross in their forehead, a little dab, you know, and, and, and you anoint them. That's what we do today. But if you anoint people in the true Old Testament way of anointing, a true Old Testament anointing, they would take a container of oil, however large, and pour the whole thing over your head. Biblical anointing, am I right about it? Biblical anointing was a very messy process. If we did it that way today, nobody ever come for prayer. You need to bring a towel after prayer. It was messy. How do I know that? Psalm 133, verse 2, I have it for you on the screen. It talks about how messy it was. It's like the precious oil upon the head running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron running down onto the edge of his what? Garments. When Samuel was done anointing Saul, he had a bunch of oil in his hair that wouldn't come out and be washed out for weeks. And oil that ran down his clothes that probably ruined his clothes. This is how God wanted it because God wanted it to be memorable that something was poured out into your life. Not just a few drops, but without measure. Notice verse 2. By this time, Saul's head must be spinning. He's thinking, just yesterday I left home to look for some donkeys. I'm walking here and there and everywhere. I run into some cute girls and then face to face with the prophet of God who takes out a bottle of oil and soaks me and messes up my clothes. And now I'm the king of Israel. Okay, it's an interesting day. And at this point, God knew that Saul's head is spinning and he's needing some confirmation that he's not crazy and that it really is God. So in the next many verses, we pointed out, God is giving Saul three confirmations. I told you one, two, three. Those are confirmations or signs that he can really know that this is really from God. Samuel tells Saul what's going to happen later that day. And listen, I want you to pay close attention as Samuel prophesied to the minute detail of the prophecy. I'm amazed at the prophet's so-called today who prophesy. Aren't you? They tell you, oh, well, you know, I feel the Lord showing me you're going to have a child. And the woman is like out to here. She's eight months pregnant. The Lord is showing me the child is going to have ten fingers and toes. That's not a prophecy. Everybody knows that. Notice the minute detail here. First sign, verse 2. When you leave, notice two men will meet you by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will say the donkeys have been found. Notice the detail again. Two men, not one, but two. Listen, if there was only one man there, then Saul's word wasn't true. And the Bible is very clear. If a person prophesies falsely, what should be done? Write this down. Deuteronomy 18, 20 through 22. Listen as I read. 
But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name, which I have not commanded him to speak, or who speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet shall die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? When a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing does not happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken. That prophet has spoken it presumptuously. You shall not be afraid of him. Listen, when a word is from God, it is always fulfilled, just as the Lord said, to minute detail. Sign number two, verse three and four. Saul needs to move on from there and go to the Tiberin tree of Tabor. Three men are going to meet you there. Again, the detail. One carrying three young goats. Another carrying three loaves of Wonder Bread. Another carrying a couple bottles of, I don't know why it's should Wonder Bread. Another carrying a couple bottles of uh, skins of wine. Uh, verse four, they're going to say hello and then you and can then give you two loaves of bread. You're to take it, receive it. Listen, when God wants to communicate something and God is truly speaking, it is fully within his capability to be very, very specific. And for it to be fulfilled is remarkable. It had to be God. Notice sign number three, verse five. After that, you're going to meet a bunch of Pentecostal prophets coming down from the high place. Are you listening? Playing the guitar, tambourine, flute, harp, prophesying. Now, what I wouldn't give to see this scene on like DVD or something. This would be awesome. Verse 6, the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. And this is remarkable, extraordinary. You will be turned into another man. Verse 7 says, let it be. When these signs come to you, do as the occasion demands, for God is with you. So the third sign, listen, is more remarkable than the other two. These prophets were obviously seeking the Lord and speaking to the Lord. Maybe they're just speaking words of encouragement to each other. Maybe they're praising and they, they get caught up in the inspiration of the Lord. And Samuel says, Saul, God's spirit is going to come upon you. And you're going to get caught up in the moment and prophesy. And then you'll be turned into another man. Notice again in verse 6. It is God who says, I will put my spirit in you and you shall become another man. Notice it doesn't say a new man. Because, listen, a new man is a New Testament concept. A new man is a New Testament experience. A new man speaks of being born again. A new man speaks of the spirit of adoption. Write it down, Romans 8, 15. The spirit of the Lord will come upon him and he will be turned to another man. It is God who turns Saul into another man. God chose to turn Saul into another man. Listen close. God chose Saul. Are y'all getting that? God Saul, flaws and all. Understand, Saul doesn't strike you as a particularly spiritual man. He wasn't the one that you would say, man, this guy's a spiritual giant. Saul was like a regular guy or, uh, with regular struggles, living a regular life. And of course, I don't know how regular you could be if you're tall, dark, handsome, and rich, but regular. 
but Saul wouldn't strike you as the kind of guy who reads his Bible or goes to church or probably a nice man, but not a spiritual man. And that should give us all hope. It should give us all hope. God chose him in spite of him. God chose us in spite of us as it relates to our salvation. God chose you. Do you know that God didn't save you because you were wonderful? Say amen, please. Please. You're not that wonderful. I mean, really. God didn't choose you because you were wonderful. God didn't choose you because you were some trophy in his curios. God picked you and God chose you because God chose to choose you. We call that sovereignty. We call that sovereign predestination. We have nothing to do with it. In regard to our salvation, the Bible is clear. Some people are picked, chosen, ordained to be saved, and others are not. People say, well, that's just not fair that God chooses, picks, or ordains some and, and doesn't choose others. And people get into arguments about God's choosing and God's picking. Listen, I'm not going to get in an argument with anybody. I'm just glad I'm picked. I'm glad I'm saved. I'm not going to get in an argument. If people want to, predestination, man's responsibility, God's, you know, I'm not going to get into all that. God's sovereignty, man's responsibility, you know, you saved, predestined, foreordained, election, and all this. I'm getting into all that. I can talk about all that. I don't care to talk about all that. I'm just happy I'm picked. Amen. I don't need that somebody, what, 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 where, where, where do you stand on that? I, I, look, I'm picked. <laughs> what about the sovereignty of God? I ain't think about all that. I'm picked. That's all I want to say. I'm picked. I'm glad about it. D.L. Moody said this. He said, I'm sure glad the Lord picked me before I was born because I don't think he would have picked me after I'd done some living. <laughs> Amen. God picked Saul, changed him. God takes the ordinary and makes them extraordinary. God wanted to use Saul, but he had to turn him into another man by the filling of the Holy Spirit. And God wants to use someone. When God wants to use someone, he has to turn you into another man. Like when the Spirit of God came upon Samson, he was a different man. Like when the Spirit of God came upon Gideon, he was a more valiant man. Like when the Spirit of God came upon David, he was a different man. Like when the enabling and the empowering of God's Spirit comes upon you, you will be different. Not in the sense of born again, but in the sense of calling and anointing and power. Look at verse 6 again. Verse 6 is Saul's real anointing. You getting that? This is his real anointing. When Samuel poured the oil on his head, that was just an outward sign. But the inward reality is the Spirit of the Lord coming upon him. Listen, you can pour a 55-gallon drum of oil on Saul's head, but if the Spirit of the Lord doesn't come upon him, there will be no change. It would make no difference. And you know I tell you all the time, it's not the outward sign that matters, it's the inward reality. And the inward reality is the Spirit of the Lord coming upon Saul, and when that happens, you'll be prophesying and you'll be praising. Now listen, in all of these lessons Saul should have learned, number one, if you're taking notes, that God handles problems. Say amen. Donkeys are found. Number two, Saul should have learned Jehovah Jireh. God can provide. 
Saul can see. He meets these guys carrying three kids and three loaves of bread and wine. And these guys say, Saul, you take them and receive them, Jehovah Jireh. We have to learn that as well. David said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed, what? Begging bread. Saul, number three, should have learned God's calling is God's enabling. God doesn't call us to something and doesn't give you the ability to do it. And if you see someone struggling with something and it doesn't work out, that just means God didn't call them to do it. And we see that all the time. I know in the years that I've been here, in North Carolina, here in this church, I've seen people go out, and I'm, I'm going to keep it 100 with you. That means keep it real. People have come and told me, oh, I feel like the Lord is calling me to go out and start a church. God is telling me to go out and start a church. Yep, this is what God is telling me. What do you think, Pastor Rodney? Honestly, if I don't see that, I'm not going to lie to you because I want to make you feel good. I'd rather help you by telling you the truth. I'd rather help you by telling you what I feel the Lord is saying. Now, if I'm wrong, then go do it and God's going to be glorified and God's going to do what God's going to do. God doesn't function based on what I say. I just tell you what I feel. If you ask my opinion, I'm going to tell you. If you don't want to know, don't ask. Hallelujah. Amen. When you ask, I'm going to tell you. So I don't see it. I could be wrong, but I don't see it. And they go and they start, and it's a struggle, and it's oh, and again, oh, every oh, it's not working out. And it's two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, and you got nine people. Don't get me wrong, I'm not into numbers. Although I do, somehow, I don't know how to reconcile this. Okay, don't come to me, ask me after service, all right? I don't know how to reconcile this. I'm not into numbers, and I don't think that if, you know, just because you have a big church, that means God's in it. But I also believe that if God is calling you to pastor, then I should look behind you and see sheep. Okay, that's not that hard. I'm not the sharpest knife in the drawer, and I'm not the dullest either. That's not hard. So if I look behind you and I don't see any sheep, there's a problem. But there's a problem. There's a problem. Because God's calling is God's enabling. And if God is calling, you're not going to struggle with it. Because it's God's work. Now listen, I am a witness. Showed up in North Carolina, I didn't know none of y'all. I didn't know none of y'all, and y'all didn't know me. Don't say amen. Y'all like, amen, good. No, I'm just kidding. We didn't know nothing. We started the church. A year later, we had 110 people. Two years from that, we had 200, 300 people. Several years from that, we had five. And then we had, I remember we had 900 people. We had 900 white people. I'll never forget it. 900, I'm, the reason why I'm telling you that because the newspaper comes to this story because we had 900 white people. And, and I was a black senior pastor. Me and my family, we were only black people in the church. And I think we might have had a couple of biracial couples at that point, but we didn't really have many. We had a lot of white people, though. I remember that. 
And the story they came to do the story on us, and she's like it, trying to be classy, the reporter lady. I ain't believe I'm going to tell you all this, but I'll tell you anyway. The reporter lady, she's trying to be all classy. She's like, you know, well, how is it that you, you know, have so many, you know, people? I said, oh, white people? And I, she says, how do you get all the people in the church? I said, you still can't say it, can you? How do you get all the people in the church? I said, I don't. You don't? No, I don't. I said, honestly, listen, write this down. I don't care who comes to church. I want to teach God's word. I want people to know God. I want them to know his word. If God sent white people or black people or blue people or purple people or yellow people, I don't care what color those people are. As long as they come with a heart to hear the word of God, that's all I'm concerned with. And if they do that, then, 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 then I'm happy. I never cared. I never cared. I never care how many people come. Y'all know, Andy, how long you been on me? 18 years? You know, I never cared. And because, you know what, here's the thing. Because I think we need more churches where people don't have the black-white issue. We need more churches like that. And that is why, honestly, I, I will tell you this. This is why I boldly, flat-footedly say what I have to say about this whole topic. Because somebody needs to say it. If you cannot get along with people here on this earth of a different race, you are going to hate heaven. <laughs> Am I right about it? So, what verse are we on? <laughs> I think we're right around seven. Let it be, look at verse 7, let it be when the signs come to you that you do as the occasion demands for God is with you. In other words, again, just go with it. It, it won't be, you know, easy, but just, just go with it. Go with it. Don't get overwhelmed. It's very easy to get overwhelmed. The donkeys, the girls, the prophets, the dinners, the walks, the talks, the prophesying, the guitars, the tambourines, and more prophesying. Samuel was telling Saul, listen, relax. Trust the Lord. He's going to bring it to pass. Psalm 37, 4, write it down. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. In other words, relax and don't worry. Well, look at verse 9 through 16. Let's read verse 9 again. And so it was. In verse 9, you looking at it? Say amen. And so it was, when he had turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart. And all those signs came to pass that day. And when they came there to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. And then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he prophesied among them. And it happened, when all who knew him formerly saw that he indeed prophesied among the prophets, look at verse 11, that the people said to one another, what is this that has come upon the son of Kish? Is Saul also among the prophets? Then a man from there answered and said, but who is their father? Therefore, it became a proverb. Is Saul also among the prophets? I'll explain in a minute. And when he had finished prophesying, he went to the high place. Then Saul's uncle said to him and his servants, where you guys been? So he said to look for the donkeys. When we saw that they were nowhere to be found, we went to Samuel. 
And Saul's uncle said, tell me, please, what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, he told us plainly that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingdom, he did not tell him what Samuel had said. When Saul had turned his back to leave Samuel, that's when God gave him another heart, and all the signs came to pass. Again, the details of the fulfillment of the first two signs aren't given. As Saul left Samuel that day, God gave him another heart. Very interesting that God gave him a new heart when Samuel left. God didn't choose to give it in the presence of Samuel. Why? Well, I believe because God didn't give it in the presence of Samuel because God wanted it to be clear that the new heart wasn't a work of Samuel. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.